Hello everyone, my name is Steve Wiss and in the second half of this episode I'll be joined as ever by my colleague Jonathan Fadugba. But to kick us off uh, straight away, we have an exclusive interview with Sashborg player Armin Askar who I caught up with this week. Um, so yeah, in the second half of the episode, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about some Swedish matters, uh, the really close title race there in the Auschwitzkan, along with a few listener questions. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to go straight into this uh, interview, which uh, hopefully you'll all enjoy. And uh, joining me as a guest on this edition of the Nordic Football Podcast is uh, Sarpsborg utility player Armin Askar. Um, Armin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much uh, for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Well, it's great to have you uh, on board here. And um, first of all, I actually, um, I'm going to have to start off with a, a congratulations to you, actually, because uh, according to transfermarkt.com, your most recent appearance for Sarpsborg against Ranheim was your 400th competitive career appearance. So. Uh, wow. Thank you. I didn't know. <laughs> so, well done. You've joined the four hundred club, and uh, well, maybe you might be able to make it five hundred and more by the end of your uh, career. And um, and a good way to to mark the appearance with a very important two nil win. I mean, that is a massive victory for Sarpsborg, isn't it? Yeah, I'm honoured to be in that club. I will definitely try to get five hundred also. No, this uh, this victory was. Uh, we wait long. We we, we, did, we haven't won one single game away from home this year, and uh, obviously it was a massive win for us. Uh, some victories means uh, more than just three points. It's the emotion around the game, before the game, uh, during halftime, of course after the game. Now we're going for two two weeks break for the national team uh, games and. It's a perfect uh, atmosphere around the club when you win uh, the last game before. Mm, definitely. A two-week break, especially when we are, yeah, bottom of the league there. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk a, a bit, a little bit more about um, this season later, but but just briefly, what do you think has been the problem for Sharpsburg this year? Have you just been a, been a bit unlucky with some draws that should have been wins? Or is there something else that's been a problem? Because most people expected you to be a little bit higher in the table, at least. Yeah, of course. Uh, we had many good seasons now, and uh, especially after Europe last year. And uh, we had uh, high hopes for our team this season. Everybody expected much from us. Preseason looked good. Of course, sometimes you 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 win these big games in preseason, but it doesn't really doesn't mean anything. But anyways, everything looks good before the season mm-hmm. starts. We start home to Molde, we should have won, but we ended up drawing, of course, at home, and uh, we picked up a lot of injuries. Myself was injured a lot in the first part of the season, and uh, especially at home, we haven't uh, won, uh, we, drew, we drew so many games, games we easily used to win before, and uh, then we just came in a bad circle, and we kind of never get out of that circle. Either we draw, or we lose, or we, we're up 1-0, 2-0, we give it away, and it's just been like the story of our season. You can see, it's unlucky sometimes, but in the end, it's after so many games, the luck. You can't speak about the luck part anymore. Then it's more about like skills and not uh, coincidence. 
Yes, it's uh, it can be difficult when you get into those sort of cycles. So, uh, well, let's talk about Armin Askar, the, the, the player then. And uh, for the listeners who don't uh, know too much about you, um, currently playing for Sharpsborg in the Norwegian Elite Serien. Um, started his career at a club called Moss in 2003 as an 18-year-old and then moved to Fredrikstad and has also had spells at Bran, um, uh, Sarpsborg on loan and then also a spell in Turkey. So um, so it all started for you uh, at Moss in 2003 as an 18-year-old. Um, you moved to Norway when you were two years old, according to Wikipedia. Um, so what was it like for you growing up in Norway? Um, did you come through the Moss youth system there? No, I like most foreign kids. You grow up in a, like a suburb place in uh, in your city. I grew up in Moss. We had these tall blocks. A lot of foreign kids playing football all day, day in day out. And I played for my childhood club, is Cambo. I played that until I was sixteen, and I actually only played one year in the youth in in Moss. Moss used to be in, yeah. in elite season. So when I came to Moss was two thousand and two. I was 16, the club was in the Lyceum, but they went down. Next year I was 17 and I joined the first team and uh, that's where I started my career. But So uh, I didn't really go through the system, I was just mm. in the system for one year. So you spent five seasons at Moss in the what was known then as the Adeco Ligaen, which is now the Obos Ligaen, and um, five seasons there. What position, what or positions, did you mostly play when you were at Moss? And when I, when I came to Moss, I was a central midfielder. But uh, when you came to the first team, it's like ah, you see a young boy, he's fast. Uh, they put me on the wing, and I used to play most from the right side, sometimes on the left, and um, sometimes right back also. But most most of the games, I was a uh, right winger. You, you have uh, an unbe- incredible um, uh, versatility in terms of positions. Um, I have to say, I, I've been keeping. Um, player records in, in leagues that I analyse for well, over 10, 15 years now. And, um, you know, I list down primary positions, secondary positions, tertiary positions. You, I, I list you down as a pretty much... You can play in nearly every outfield position, which is incredible, really. I mean, has that always been the case, or is it something that you've developed as the years have gone by? Oh, it's kind of always been there like when you're a kid you always put the best players in the midfield I used to play midfield then and sometimes I can play like central defender when I was 14, 15 because my team was not that good we had like 6, 7 good players but not 11 when we were winning I remember the coach used to put me like a central defender and for my uh, grown up career like my senior career I've been playing everything in the central wide right back and the last couple of games now you've probably seen me playing as a number nine like a fake nine maybe yeah front so yeah it's everywhere i'm used to this this has just been my the way i like to play football it doesn't matter i, I feel i understand my roles anyways and i play a lot of futsal and i just feel um just the way i was brought up and maybe for my physical skills as long as i don't play center back Every other position doesn't matter so much. Yeah, yeah. So, five years at Moss in the second tier in Norway, and then you you moved to Fredrikstad, who um, a rival of Moss, I do believe, and um, that is when you you uh, you tasted the Elitesarian for the first time. Um, uh, Fredrikstad actually paid a hundred thousand pounds for your services 
in 2009. Did you think, did you feel after five years in, in the second division you were definitely ready to for, for the top flight football in Norway? No, but uh, those five years was uh, was long five years because I remember after my uh, my third season, that was the first time I really wanted to move and Freista already then tried to buy me most was saying no a uh, couple of years and like a couple of transfer windows in the summer and then after the summer and then the next summer so I, I kind of I was a little bit frustrated the last two seasons I remember in most because I felt I was ready for the first league I was playing national team yeah. many of my teammates there was playing first team I was uh, first league and I was I was I was feeling I was good enough for that and the clubs want to bring me a couple of clubs but most they put me along I signed a long contract after my first year and kind of got stuck there so when I came to Fredrikstad I was it, I was over ready if you can say that in English yeah. do, do you think that um, it's you're, you're actually a good example of sort of learning your trade in a lower league for a few years and then you're, you're fully ready for, for the top league do you think even today that teams in the Elite Serien should maybe take more of a chance on, on guys in the Obos League and rather than sign some random foreign players? Uh, yes or no. All depends on, of course, of the age. When I came to Elite Serien, I, since I was 17, I almost played every game for most. So I, most players at my age, 17, 18, plays for second team when they're in their first league. Then you play like in third division or fourth division or something like that. So my experience got... A, I had a lot of experience when I came to Litsen, but um, it's all about uh, scouting and economic. You can see some clubs after, especially after the um, the finance crisis, started to put more money on youth, or they didn't have money, so they have to gamble on the youth, and that went well. You stop buying uh, average foreign players, so I think as long as you don't buy, you you're not buying average foreign players. It's better. Mm then it's okay but if you're just going for average it's better I prefer you bring from your second team or your youth players or from second division yeah, or yeah. Give, them, give them more of a chance and um, so you had a few years at Frederickstadt which uh, certainly looked quite interesting involved in some well relegation playoff matches even some Europa League qualifiers there at Frederickstadt and then in 2012 uh, that's when according to Transfermarkt anyway that was your highest market value you were worth over a million pounds back in 2012 uh, Armin um, and you moved to Bran on a free transfer and your first two years there certainly statistically would appear to be um, well perhaps some of the best of your footballing career in terms of goals and assists you played regularly on the right hand side of midfield right wing at Bran were they were they good times for you at that club yeah, I had a nice time. Actually, they, they bought me for one and a half million euros. My contract was not finished yet in Fredrikstad. All right, yes. All so right. They, they, okay. they, they, had to, they, they bought me on my, before my last year of my contract. I went to Brann and it was nice. We played. It was a little bit different. It's the first time I, play, I, I played so offensive role. We played like 4-2-3-1, very freely wingers. I remember we had Bentley or Husseklep on the other wing. We used to switch during the game. I didn't have so much defensive obligation at that time, I remember. So, uh, I really enjoyed that year. I remember I scored eight or nine goals. I got the best goal in best goal of the season. And uh, I, it, was, it, was, it was fun time, nice players to play with. And I actually scored, I got top score on the, next, the year after, I remember, 2013. Do you think that um, sort of having a more settled position 
for a couple of seasons helped you out there that you were regularly on that right hand side no doubt no doubt uh, when you play regular position then you play it every day on training your, med, your, your head is only focused on on one of the wingers and uh, and just the way we played in that team we used to concede a lot but we used to score a lot so it was uh, like kind of perfect team to f- play for us, like stat wise I remember or I was feeling and when you play uh, the same position every every game week in week out in training everything just feels natural you don't have to play right back from Monday to Friday and all of a sudden Sunday you play left back or midfield or so of course it's easier yeah, it was actually your third season in Brand where, under the management of Rickard Norling, who uh, actually won the title in Alsvenskan last season for uh, AIK, where you were kind of uh, messed around a bit in terms of positions. You were literally everywhere on the field. That was, of course, Brand's shock relegation season from the Tipper Ligen back then, um, and that resulted in their relegation. Uh, but you then moved on, uh, on loan to... Uh, to Sarpsborg, I do believe, after that. And then you had a spell in Turkey, in Turkish football, for uh, a team uh, who I'm not even going to try and pronounce them. It looks really hard to pronounce them. And uh, Turkish football, what, what's it like over there? Oh, it, it was, uh, of course, I was sceptical, you know. I, I went on loan to Sarpsborg when Bram went down. We had a bad time with Rikat Nuling. He tried his 4-4-2. Thing was not going well. We kind of spoke with him a couple of times, but... I think I was maybe a little bit stubborn, but he, but still he's a good coach, he's a good guy. But thing didn't work out. We went down. I went on loan, and then when I went to Turkey, I was a little bit skeptical because I, in my head I was going back to Bram. That was my main object. I spoke with Lashan and Nilsson. He said I would. We had a good conversation. Remember after our cup final with Shashborg, he said he told me he told me about the plans he had for Bram and how I would fit in in that. Uh, in that project and uh, everything was feeling good and then uh, this turkey offer came uh, I wanted to try something new but if I would try something new I have to be something that is very interesting for me because I know Bram I, I love Bram and the city so everything was good and then um, you know uh, two guy Kerim the old player for Blackburn and Glasgow Rangers yes yes he was that coach at that time <coughs> so when he spoke he had a good conversation Obviously, I knew him from international football and Blackburn and this stuff. And I think, like, he called me like fourth or fifth time, and he said, "Hey, we're gonna bring a lot of new players in January. You're my first transfer. I'm not gonna stop calling." And after some conversation, I said, "Okay, let's try it." And it was a very interesting spell. I signed for one and a half year. I stayed that. I stayed there one and a half year, but I could write like three books about that period. Wow. We had six. We had six uh, different uh, head coaches, couple of caretakers in between them, three, three presidents. It was, it was chaos. It was fun, That's but it was chaos. Absolutely mental. I remember two, two guy. He's got to be one of the hardest, hardest guys I've ever seen play in the Premier League. He was just tough as nails, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Incredible. He used, to, he used to join our training. His passing, his passing skills. It looks like Paul Scholes. It was wow. amazing. His be- his he was his level was so much more than the best player. <laughs> so you ended up going back to Sharpsborg and uh, you rejoined um, one of your old managers, Gare Backer, who I do believe was in charge for two or three years when you were at Moss. Um, yeah. So Gare Backer, then you, are, I presume you you must have a really good relationship with him. 
I had very good relationship with him uh, when I left Moss. He already left Moss before me to Starbucks. So the year I went to from Moss to Fredrikstad, uh, Starbucks also came with an offer, and I was supposed to go there. And uh, but uh, I think uh, I, what they told me was uh, Starbucks. I think Starbucks gave one million Norwegian for me to sign and for to Moss, but. Uh, Fredrikstad obviously gave the same, but they gave another half a million Norwegian after a couple of games, and then this price was better, so they sold me there. So me and Gerd had a good relationship since Moss, and uh, of course, if he wasn't in Shashbra, I would never go there the first time or the second time. So what what is it like playing under Gerd Backer? How his coaching methods, his tactics, often a four four two at uh, at Sharpsborg. Obviously, it must be a system you enjoy. I mean, he's done. He's actually achieved some great things at Sharpsborg. Um, you know, with often limited uh, resources. Um, what would you say his biggest strengths are as a as a manager and coach? For me, it's the it's like a, he's he's a people person. He understands players and people. You know, you play mm. good. Sometimes you have a tactic. A good coach is good on tactic, or just coaches are just. So, that just good with people. He has both, especially the part with people. He can read the group very nicely. He knows which players that's good for his philosophy. Of obviously, we are four for two team, and um, the club's identity is Atletico Madrid. You know, so yeah. every time we try to make a transfer, or it's very easy. They kind of paint the picture for us. This is what we want, and they want players that train good and is very honest on his feedbacks. Obviously, people know that uh, we bring a lot of players because we sell a lot of players. And uh, sometimes the chemistry is okay between the players, but not between the players and our philosophy. Because in uh, this 4 4 2, you have to run a lot. It's aggressive, uh, it's very clear identity. So, with Guy Bucky, you, you never have to second guess his opinion or what he means about anything in football. I, ha- I play a long time now. You had, I had many coaches. Some coaches, it's like. Uh, you can have a meeting with a coach, you go out of the meeting with more questions than when you went in, you know? Yeah. They kind of speak, but doesn't have anything. Um... But, um, I mean, Guy Backer, this is probably the first season he's come under any sort of, uh, well, I wouldn't say pressure, but uh, maybe some questions. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you think he's been handling this season when results haven't been so good? Has it been a different sort of challenge for him in terms of motivation and, and lifting spirits? Of course, it's different, but uh, because of his track record, also I think you know, in 2015 we came to cup final. 2016 was yeah. like fifth or sixth place, and then the 2017 he had the third place in a new cup final, and obviously we had the European uh, Europa League last year. So you have a lot of um, history with the club. You've done a lot of good stuff. So uh, plenty of credit uh, in the bank, and a lot of respect. Yeah. A lot of respect. So, so you know that you have done a lot of good things for. Uh, like four or five years and then of course obviously you have different uh, role in the club and he looks very confident he knows what he wants he had success for many years so he hasn't lost that confidence and uh, that's that's uh, that's what I think is the problem with many other clubs you have some coaches who just came don't have uh, the same uh, and, and they freeze they have mental freeze they, they lose their motivation you, you can see them they start to lose weight and all that stuff So, but we, you don't see this around here so you mentioned that Europa League uh, incredible run you had there. I mean, 
for you personally, I'm guessing that's got to be one of your career highlights to to qualify against all the odds and then compete very strongly in the in the actual Europa League group where you even had a chance of qualifying. So um, talk us through that run uh, in last year. It must have been absolutely brilliant for everyone involved at the club. Ah, of course it was. It, it was a. It, it, it was just a journey that started. You know, we went to Iceland. We play against Vestmanjur. It's an island outside Iceland. I place Icelandic people don't like to go. So you know, but it was a, we were lucky with the weather when we went there, and we obviously we won there. We won home. We went to Swiss. We played from Gallen. We won. We go to Rijeka. It was a little bit hostile there, but it was okay. Croatia was. It's a nice place to play, and we won and. The most nervous was for the last game. We went to Israel to play um, uh, Tel Aviv, Maccabi Tel Aviv, and uh, I remember it was so hot there you couldn't breathe. Uh, your mouth was dry after five minutes. You go yeah. take some drink on the sidelines. After the first drink, the kids they picked the balls, they threw out, threw away our drinks. So <laughs> it was struggling a couple of minutes. They, they us on the left side there, and uh, we got a penalty in the end of the game. We won. We went to Europe League and. Um, it was just an amazing journey all the way until the second last game when we were winning 2-0 home against Besiktas halftime game was winning 2-0 against Malmö at, at halftime so that was the fifth game in the group and at that moment you were true so uh, it was small details from yeah. uh, getting in the league and then do like Östersund to go through because obviously they inspired us all Östersund I never even heard about the club they made it. Yeah. They made us believe it, and we almost made it. So it's uh, at, at that moment you didn't enjoy it so much. But when when I've been thinking around, thinking back, the journey we had with our team, it's it's, it's just incredible. And I think for a team like us, they put us through four matches, like eight matches against four different teams. So you're not supposed to make it. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, it was an incredible you're journey. Not supposed to make it. It was an incredible journey and it was fantastic to, to watch uh, a team like Sharpsborg um, go so deep into the competition unexpectedly and um, great for the fans as well. And, and, and sticking with um, the theme of the fans, um, I've got to talk to you about the, the footballing rivalry in, in your uh, principality of uh, Ustvold. Um I mean, it's quite incredible. The three teams there, uh, Sharpsborg, Frederikstad and Moss, and you've played for all three of them. Um, and there's quite a. I know Fred, uh, Frederick Stratton Moss are well below where they want to be right now, but there's quite a strong footballing rivalry between all three teams, isn't there? Especially Frederick Stratt and uh, Sharpsborg. So, um, what can you tell us about that rivalry, uh, Armin? No, it's fun. I remember my first year, I'm 17, I'm playing against, I'm starting the game against Frederick Stratt, we're playing Moss. Uh, it's the same stadium. Uh, that Moss has today and you're not allowed to put uh, you're not allowed to have more than like 2,000 people inside but before you didn't have these rules so we played Fredericks it was more than 10,000 people in there <laughs> I think if you would, something would caught fire people would die it, it, yeah. it was so crowded it was amazing you go straight from high school playing that matches I went play that match at night we won it was amazing but at that time Moss was the best team and like Things go in cycles, you know. And then Freista came up. Freista was the best team. I went there, and then I went. I I used to love playing Shashpur. Freista Shashpur. Wow, it was 
this is the game you look for the when the schedule comes you mm. don't care about going to Grand Stadio or Leikendal you look for Schaschberg when they came up and uh, obviously both cities are on fire both cities they don't call other city for the name they just say the other city wow yeah so people speak a lot about Lillestrøm and Vorringa and this stuff but these two cities really hate each other and the mm. rivalry is from history so it's amazing matches and I hope for the future people will see them again yeah, um, are the are the are the Sarpsborg fans um, don't mind that your history with Frederikstad? It was strange in the beginning when I came on loan in 2015. There, I was uh, actually I, I I changed my mind after I said yes to Schalke to go to another club, yeah. and then um, just because of that, I was thinking ah, because of you know I've been playing three years in Frederikstad. I love it there. They were happy with me. I was happy with them, and they could sell me and uh, follow me. And I was following them. And then, ah, should I should I go to Schalke and mess a lot of history between the club and the fans? So in the end, I got cold feet. I said to Schalke, not going. And but then I had a long conversation with Guy and assistant coach from Freddy. I had him in Fredrikstad. And after a long conversation, I said, okay, I will come and sign for you guys. So uh, to be honest, it was very hard. Yeah, but ultimately you've got to think of your your own career as well, haven't you? And, um, and that's an important part of it. Um, looking... Yeah, and the club and the clubs were. I I never been in the clubs uh, when they're in the same league. You know, I didn't change. Yeah. When I was I went to Ferris, they were in the first league. Most was not. When I was in Shashpur, Ferris was not in the first league. Do you think that Frederick Star can come back one day to the elite yeah, area? Yeah, they're yeah, big def- enough. Def- definitely, yeah. they have their supporters. I was watching Moss uh, Shashba earlier this year it was 10,000 there when Fredrikstad playing Moss and this is like this third league and Fredrikstad if Tyre Haley you know the rich man if he has a good day he puts some money in and the fans are there every year when the season begins there are 7, 8,000 more crowded more crowded than many most of the leagues in the elite stadium so Mm. I think everybody in Norway misses that club yeah I think definitely uh, they will come up yeah, I think one day as well. Now, looking back throughout your whole career, this is probably a little bit of a, uh, a difficult question. Um, who are, Who is the best or, or some of the best players you've actually ever played with? I enjoyed playing with um, Krepin. He was a young boy, Krepin Diata. Oh, yes, he's, yes, he's I remember him. amazing talent because he was only 18. He came earlier. When I came in the summer, was about that time he started to play. So he was amazing talent. Yeah. And uh, when I was in Turkey, we had a good number ten. You remember Lua Lua? Lua Lua, yes. Lumano. Oh really? You played with him yeah. there, did you? Yeah, I enjoyed playing with him. This is the guy like, like Erdogan. Like you, you make a run, he will find you. You yeah. have a solution for everything. It, it, it was just amazing to watch him play, even though it's not his best years of his career. But uh, I don't know. He had something special. It was very fun to just see him in training and his touches on the ball. And I will say those two, if I have to pick two players. Okay, good, good choices. Now, uh, just briefly, I just want to mention your international career or, or, or lack of it. Um, I mean, you were born in Ethiopia. You were set to play for them um, in I think 2014, but there were some technical or rule issues. Um, how come that that's never managed to happen? Well, I 
think they called me for the first time was like 2012 or 2011 they asked me I was like ah, I'm not sure and then I went to Brown uh, I remember my coaches was speaking a little bit with the Norwegian Federation I was doing very good in Brown scoring a lot of goals but obviously you had a lot of four, you have a lot of Norwegian players who play abroad so it's normal those go to national team but anyways so I was thinking ah, this is not this. I don't think this is nothing for me and Oh, and then 2014, in the end, I said, okay, let, let me try. I went down for two weeks there. We're going to play Algeria and some one other team. But it was some problem with my papers because I've been playing for youth teams in Norway. So they have to yeah. uh, do, do some paperwork issues with um, FIFA and obviously Ethiopia is Africa. Nothing, nothing, not even the most easiest things never goes correctly, you know? Mm. I couldn't play. I came there for the next um, international break again for two weeks. I couldn't play, and and now I say as after this I just say don't call me again because as long as you don't put uh, give me now papers from FIFA that I can play, I'm not gonna play. And they, they ch- you know they change people all the time there. Yes, yeah, crazy. You never isn't know it? what happens there. It's a little bit like when I was in Turkey, no structure, no nothing, and uh, they be calling me almost every year even there. Not this uh, squad, but the last squad now. Before this international summer, they put me in the squad without even asking me. Oh, they said, "I said, okay, maybe we can speak, but I need these papers, and then I will uh, uh, make up my mind again." Yeah, it, it sounds but a cr- crazy I'm just situation. Used to this professional, uh, I'm very in, in my career. I'm very. I like everything to be strict and good, you know. So it, it turned me off. Like from the first first minute. Yeah, it's. I guess you look back maybe a little bit sad that you never got to play international football. <sighs> or would it have been just an absolute I, I, mess I'm there? I'm the guy that looks behind, you know. It, I, it would be fun. I played some friendly games with them. I enjoyed it. It was fun and this and that. But like, I know my head. I, I like structure. And you know, this African time, people always late for meeting. And it was this small stuff that was irritating when I was there. So yeah. it will be fun, but it's nothing that I feel like I, I missed. I like I missed out on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you say, you're someone that likes to, to look ahead. So, so let's look ahead to the rest of this season. And you've sadly been injured for quite a lot of 2019, but you you're back fit now. You've played the last two matches for Sarpsborg uh, as a striker, actually, um, or in a um, certainly attacking position. Um, do you do you play Elite Serie in fantasy, uh, Armin? At all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I love that game. You you are fa- the you're fantasy list- Premier League and both. You you're listed as a defender. You're five point two million. Is it is now the time for fantasy managers in Norway to get you in the team? I I, I had myself in Vorenga uh, home. We had the clean sheet. No, stop the call now. I, I actually put myself as a captain. That no, that not that. Yeah. I was playing striker against Stabæk. I had myself as captain, <laughs> but I had a clean sheet. I had myself now in Ranheim, so I got clean sheet. And I saw three of the last four games. I have clean sheet, so I've been taking some points. So I had myself for those games. Do you think you'll be? Um, do you think you'll be playing um, in attack for the for the rest of the season, or could you be literally anywhere on the field? At least for the uh, nearby time, yeah, I, I would guess I would strike him. I would be striker, but uh, you never know in football. We have three strikers on the bench now that are good players, you know. Mm. Yeah. I play with most 
against Tabek now. I play with uh, Lafferty and but still you have Jurgen Stram, you have Skolovic and most last time on the bench. So you never know. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess to some people might be surprised to see you in the team playing in that position when you've got uh, uh, Moose on the bench. But maybe, do you think um, Gerbach uh, really trusts you? He knows you well, you're an experienced player. Is that sort of thing really important when you're in this relegation battle? Yeah, of course. Uh, Moose is also experienced. He helped uh, all the students. Good saying the relegation. So we, I know we got a good player there to that have been in situations before, but uh, the way we play also is a little bit about our identity, like the, the way we press, the way we play. Uh, obviously, when we, when we play with Carl Lafferty, he's not the running guy, but he's like a, the tall, big, like now Queen, you know? He's, yeah. He's big there, big man fighting, and at least that's what they told me, he's now Queen. <laughs> and uh, no, but uh, I think uh, they, they see us as a good partnership, one big guy. One that runs a lot and is fast, and they told me after the last game that I break the record on this GPS for running uh, for running uh, these kilometers and more than the Champions League of Milan last year. And so they like this also. You know, it's part of our game is to be aggressive, especially when you play four four two. The players up front need to the play on the first line have to put pressure on defense. And uh, like you saw last year. Uh, the, our success was a lot of with Patrick and Rashad, Mohamed in, in front. We had a fast one and a big one. The year yeah. before, we had the same with Patrick, Mortensen and Krependiata. So, I think they like this combination. And for this, these games I've been playing with, uh, striker has been working good for the team. So, yeah, I guess it's been a good thing. So Yeah, and it sounds like there's a lot more confidence now at the club that you uh, certainly can keep yourself... Um, stay up in the elitist area and then kick on next year maybe uh, so so finally um, Armin what about the future for you after after you've played football do you see yourself going into management or coaching or, or TV or something like that I like both I like both I love football since I was a kid I've been playing all FIFA so I used to play championship manager I'm always seeing myself as a manager when I was a kid also even you play with your friends, you want to be the captain, you want to be this guy who speaks a lot to, to organize even uh, still now, even if I play on the wing, I still talk a lot and organize a lot. And football's been my life and uh, I like like every part of the football, so I definitely see myself in this, I wouldn't call it business because it's my passion, you know? Yeah. If I didn't get paid for this, I would still play and then work somewhere else you know at night or in the morning or whatever so yeah you'll we'll stay you definitely be staying in the game then yeah, yeah for sure you yeah. will see me on yeah. in football until I die <laughs> so uh, well yes well, all we can say now is very best of luck um, to you and, and, and the whole Sarpsborg team uh, for the rest of the season um, I have to say uh, it'd be from my personal point of view it'd be nice to see you stay up because uh, I think um, you're the sort of squad that can really kick on next year and uh, maybe challenge up there again but uh, thanks yeah, for no him. doubt no doubt no doubt about it if, if the league would start today uh, I think a lot of things would be different but anyways mm. we will fight we will fight like crazy in the end we have six or seven cup matches left now so well thanks we'll very see. much thanks very much for your time and joining us on the Nordic Football po- Podcast uh, Armin and um, we very much enjoyed this conversation thank you I appreciate it thank you very much 
Join us after the break where we talk about Auschwitzkan matters in Sweden along with uh, a few listener questions. So we'll catch you again very soon. Welcome back to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Fadugba. Uh, really good interview, Steve. I, I enjoyed that. Um, obviously, a journey from Ethiopia to uh, Norway, a career in, in the Norwegian leagues, and it was a fascinating insight, to be honest. How, how was the interview for yourself on a personal level? Did you enjoy it? Absolutely loved it with uh, Armin. And uh, again, thanks very much for him for joining uh, the Nordic Football Podcast. And we hope that the listeners find it uh, very uh, interesting indeed, but uh, we must move on to uh, some Swedish matters now. And uh, I mean, the title race in Norway has slipped in Molder's favour, but in uh, Sweden, well, you could technically still say there's a four-way battle and um, a massive result in the previous round for Hammerby, who uh, are they coming up late to make a challenge? They beat Jorgarten in the derby um, away from home well. Technically, they were the away team, weren't they, in this fixture? But um, it seemed like the derby curse continued for Jorgarten. Um, as a result, Malmo, they've taken advantage. They're top of the league on goal difference. They just have to win their last three games now. But uh, just take us back two weeks ago for that match in Stockholm and a huge result for Hammerby. Indeed. And uh, you might have heard there, Rodic. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, fantastic game. I'm just reviewing it, in fact, now. Uh, this evening because, you know, reminding ourselves of what, what was, to be honest, a very, very good Stockholm derby. We talked about it, didn't we, Steve, um, in the past re- recent podcast, the last podcast about Garden and their potential ability to win the title. But we did highlight a key thing in this title race could be their inability to beat the teams around them from Stockholm. Uh, we mentioned the fact that the three games they'd lost this season were all to Stockholm teams, twice to AIK and once to Hammerby. And we highlighted this game as a key match. Could they overcome that Derby ghost and set themselves up for a potential title win with three games remaining? Unfortunately, Steve, they made it zero out of four in Stockholm derbies, lost again at home to Hammerby. Uh, Nikola Jurjic with a great goal to begin with. um, And then that was followed up by Kaskanichlic. It was an an error from Elliot Shesh. Uh, we praised him so much on the last podcast, but unfortunately had a bit of a rick uh, giving the ball away and Kachanichlich was there to profit. And Jürgen, they really looked quite wobbly. You know, the, they, they weren't at it, uh, especially in the first half. Found themselves 2-0 down, um, you know, early in the second half, 55th minute. Um, Buyatori managed to pull one goal back, but it was not enough. A fantastic game. Hammerby have managed to see off Jurgarden. We now have a serious title race, Steve. We have Malmo, 59 points, top of the table, who uh, later in the day beat uh, EF Core, Jotterburg 1-0 in a, in, a, in a key game, managed to see it, see them off. Then we have Jurgarden as well, level on points, but goal difference is a bit inferior. And AIK, 56. So that's four teams there within three points of each other. Four teams, three points, three games left. Who's going to win the title? Yes, it could even be a case that goal difference becomes a crucial factor here. Malmö obviously have an advantage in that regard, plus 35 goal difference for them, 
plus 30 for Jorgarten and plus 31 for Hammerby. Um, Hammerby, obviously, with the significant amount of goals scored, so that's worth a little bit extra. The big game coming up this weekend is is Hammerby against Malmo. Um, both teams will see it as a, as a must-win, really, won't they? Because, you know, I think Hammerby are not going to be able to come back and win the title if they don't get three points here. But Malmo, Destiny's back in their own hands again. I mean, how do you see it going? It's a crucial uh, affair. We've almost got a battle of the, the best offence in the league against the best defence. Who who edges it? Yeah, I think it's, uh, well, I mean, it's essentially going to probably decide the title race if we look at the remaining games. You know, there, there are some, uh, there aren't too many games left in terms of teams meeting each other. So this is a chance for both of them to stand them up. Or will they, you know, will they slit each other's throats? You know, a draw here could kill them both, really, with two games to go. You know, your garden could go then three points clear. Um, and obviously that would put them, you know, if, if Hammerby don't win, essentially, and Jürgen do win, they're looking at being in the six points ahead of them or, or, or um, you know, five points ahead of them. So Hammerby really probably, if they're going to win the title, I think, you know, they, they've given themselves an outside chance at the title, really. Let's be honest. They, they weren't expected to be in the top three at this stage. They, they've been playing amazing football, uh, really good offensive uh, game. You know, one of the most exciting teams to watch in the league without doubt this season. But in terms of the title race, they were always a little bit below it. But they, they've leaped above AIK now. Can they win the title? I don't know. I mean, there's still been talks about the Garden games. You know, the Hammerby manager stuff and Billboard has had to brush off some more questions about that match. You know, it was considered such a big game. Um, and in terms of derbies, of course, it was really, really well contested. You know, both, both sets of fans, it was... Um, it was a very, very good game, I thought, in terms of the fans and the spectacle, uh, with a lot of incidents during the match. But um, <clears throat> Malmo, the team, you know, I've said it recently, they, they're just creeping into it now. And I think they're looking very strong. And they're, just, they're, they're not maybe as exciting as Hammerby, but they are getting the job done week after week. They're grinding out results. So I think they will be one to, to be feared. And, I mean, if I had to predict a winner, I'd potentially lean towards Malmo in that game. It is worth saying, though, that uh, Hammerby have the best home record in the league. They've won 11 out of 13 matches and drawn the other two. No one has yet been able to beat them in front of their own fans. So um, that is a pretty tough ask for Malmo, isn't it? In terms of the tactical matchup, is it the case of Hammerby have just got to watch themselves defensively? Because surely they've got enough goals in them to, to score here? Or uh, is their defence going to let them down at the 11th hour? Well, I think the game will be decided, you know, Hammerby have scored 67 goals this season. You know, that's nearly 20 more than Malmo. Incredible uh, goal-scoring record, really. Uh, well clear of any other team in the league by miles. Um, but the problem that's let them down, as you said there, is the defence, 36, con 36 conceded. Uh, you know, you've got to go further to even, you know, there's even teams that are way down the table who haven't conceded that many, like EF Core, the seventh, you know. So it's a lot of goals conceded. There's a lot of goals in general, maybe, People are looking to have a bet on this game. We might be looking at the overs market, you know. Um, but Malmo don't concede many. 14 conceded, as you said. Best defensive record in the league. Uwe Rosler is a bit of a conservative manager in the way he sets his team up at times. He will look to kind of, I imagine if he's going to, you know, he's going to approach this game looking to maybe grind out a win, I think. I don't think he's going to go all guns blazing. I think he'd be pretty happy with a, even a draw, maybe. Uh, maybe looking to eke a 1-0. So that's the way I'd look at it. But Hammerby, they only know one way, really, and I think that'll be attacking. So definitely a good spectacle at, at hand. 
there's a couple of injuries going into the game, but uh, all in all, team, you know, the teams are kind of shut for the international break, so it's going to be a big one to see. At the same time, this match uh, kicks off. There's also Falkenberg against uh, AIK. Um, I mean, at the moment, they're kind of the uh, not forgotten team in this title race, but because they do have that significantly less goal difference, you could say AIK are the, the outsiders in this title race. But, um, I mean, would you expect them to easily win that match away at Falkenberg? I mean, you've got opposition who are fighting for their lives down at the bottom of the table. They should have enough for them, though, shouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I think if they can't beat Falkenberg, they, they don't deserve to win the title, in my opinion. Um, you know, Falkenberg have been pretty desperate this season. Uh, and I actually, I think in the last podcast, I, I completely forgot them in my predictions. Uh, I neglected to mention them, but uh, they've, they've been pretty poor. Um, I worry for them in terms of staying up. I know I predicted them to get out of it, but to be honest, I think I kind of overlooked how, how, how poor they've been at times. Their most recent game was a 5-0 defeat. Sorry, a 4-0 defeat at Elsborg, absolutely battered them. Uh, and they've only got one win in their last sort of uh, eight or nine, which was against Ostersons. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big game um, for AIK to just overcome and not slip up. Their issue is that they've got quite a lot of injuries, actually. But, uh, AIK, sorry. Uh, Oscar Liner, Rasmus Lindqvist, Per Carlson, Nabil Buhui and Robert Lundstrom could all miss the game. Um, they've all been missing training this week. So, you know... There is a bit of a, you know, injury injury crisis there as well. Uh, Enoch Kofi Adu as well has, has had a few injury problems this week, so they are a little bit depleted going into it. But I couldn't, I don't think they could ask for much of a better game really than than, than Falkenberg, who are, you know, are pretty poor in general. Don't have the best of. I mean, they they get most of their points at home. In, in fairness to them, that they've got this season. But um, you know, when it, when you look at their record against the bigger teams, they you know then they. You wouldn't expect them to offer too much, uh, too many troubles. Uh, Eurogarden beat them three. Eurogarden beat them away three nil. Malmo beat them away two one. Hammerby beat them away two nil. Hacken beat them away three nil. So you'd expect a A R K to get the job done. And then the day later, it's uh, F K Jokerborg against Eurogarden. So I mean, at this point in time, Eurogarden odds on favourites to win that game with the bookmakers. Um, that just smells a bit wrong to me. I don't know why. Um, you know, they've just suffered that really bad loss in the derby. Um, could there could they be shot mentally a little bit? I don't know. The pressure's going to be on them, whatever, because um, it, it, whatever happens in the other match, there's, there's pressure on them to deliver a result. Is that a banana skin fixture or are IFK sort of um, well, just languishing in mid-table and maybe won't give it everything? No, I think it's spot on there, Steve. I think it is a potential banana skin fixture. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Jürgen have done very well against anyone who's not from Stockholm this season. Uh, and they beat EF Core 2-1 early in April. But um, I think that's I think that Hammerby game could could shock them. I think they, they were lucky that maybe there was an international break. I guess you can argue both ways. Or on the one hand, you could say they've got more time to think about it. On the other hand, you can say they've got more time to recover maybe and um, you know get over it. But uh, I think it's a it's a pretty big blow at this stage of the season. Obviously, they have an inferior goal difference to Malmo, so they need they need Malmo to drop points somewhere, or they need to you know smash a few teams. Uh, and don't forget, they've still got no shopping away last game. So two tough fixtures, and I think they've got a a really tough game on their hands. The only thing I'd say about EF Core is that they haven't really got much to play for. I think they're the kind of team that has the 
you know they, they can lose their concentration at times i think they're they're a decent team they've had a, an interesting season maybe not a brilliant season but an interesting one uh, i think they lost a lot of players in the summer which kind of killed them in my opinion um but they're you know they're, they're a team to be feared i think at times but they do leave gaps um so I, you know, you could see an upset. You could see a draw, for example, something like that. And at this stage of the season, you're going to need the points. You certainly do. And uh, uh, we've got a question from one of our listeners, uh, Joe Gold. Thank you very much for a bunch of questions from me this week, Joe. And I feel like um, I've asked you this one on the Nordic Football Podcast uh, numerous times this year, John. Who's going to win the Alsvenskan? Yeah, I get you. You ask me this every week and uh, I, tend to, I change my mind every week, probably. Uh, I said at the beginning of the season, and I was completely wrong. I said no shopping; they're nine points off it, so it's not mathematically impossible, but very unlikely. Um, I switched a little bit as the season's gone on towards Malmo. I think just in terms of their metrics, their expected goals, um, and their general performances, I think I lean towards Malmo. So I think if I had to predict it now, looking at the uh, run-ins and the way the season's panned out at this moment in time, I think I would lean towards Malmo winning the title, but. They've got Hammerby away, AIK at home next two games. So it's do or die. Just a final comment on the question about the title race. I think the Hammerby, I think Hammerby Malmo this weekend could decide the title. I think I'd go that far. So um, I think it would potentially decide the title. Uh, you know, it's that big a game. I think if Malmo drop points, then I think it allows the likes of Jurgen to come back into it, or maybe even maybe even Hammerby if they win. Uh, I think if Hammerby, sorry, I think if Malmo win that game. The two games left, I think they, they might just have enough to sort of grind out those last two games. It's uh, really close and uh, very interesting, Virian, for sure. Um, as we go down to the bottom of the table now, just quickly here, two crunch fixtures at the bottom this weekend. AFC Eskilstuna against Sundsvall, that is 16th against 14th, and also Ostersunds against Sirius. Um, two massive games down the bottom. Who would you edge? Who would you give the edge to in those matches? Uh, I think... I would, I think Gearsons I will beat AFC Eskostuna. And the other game, Sirius against Ostersunds. Draw. I've got a link in for a draw, maybe. Sirius got a good result in their last game uh, and have pretty much secured themselves, maybe just about secured themselves safety. Uh, they beat Helsingborg 2 1 at home, which is a, a big result, in my opinion. They've hit that 25 point mark, which I said uh, I think would just about guarantee safety this season. Um, I think a draw would pretty much start to top it off. Kalmar, though, are in 12th. So they are, they're in a little bit of red alert, to be honest. They, you know, they, they're slipping. Kalmar are always in 11th or 12th, aren't they? Um, I, you know, I watched Ustrasund's last game, actually. I just had a, I don't know why I was watching it, but um, it gets uh, heckin' away. They got a one-all draw, and uh, I was quite impressed with what I saw in terms of um, their fighting spirit. They came back from 1-0 down, scored a good goal, and... Um, yeah, I'm not saying they could have won the game, but um, for a team that had lost four or five in a row, they, they showed plenty of heart and, 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 and fight with their manager in the stands, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was a bit more encouraged that they might be able to survive, but this is a huge game for them against Sirius. Um, obviously at home, and they need a result. But uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic personally about Ushersund after watching them in that game at Hecken. Yeah, and uh, their their financial problems off the field still go on. Um, you know that's something that is obviously a distraction. Uh, but just going back to Kalmar, they've got no shopping away this weekend. So you know if they lose that game, you know they're not completely out of it. I mean if Gifsonsvall win away at F AFC, 
they'll be level on points with uh, Kalmar were they to lose, and uh, they've got a better goal difference. So Kalmar really have to be looking over their shoulders. I mean, if Gustafsson do win this weekend, then um, FC Houston are essentially down. So that would, you know, that would pretty much relegate them. Um, albeit maybe if Ostersons, Oster, if Ostersons or Gustafsson are win, they're down pretty much. So um, yeah, AFC is uh, on the brink. Okay, well, let's talk about teams that are going to come up um, next season. And uh, another question from Joe Gold here. Who looks like they're coming up this year from the division, second division in each country, Norway and Sweden? Well, the Super Etten in Sweden at the moment, uh, what can you tell us about it, John? Who looks like they are going to be making a, uh, well, a rise to the top flight? Yeah, some questions, Joe, and thanks a lot. And also, Joe, we've had a look at your logos, by the way. You submitted some great logos in the last few weeks, uh, which we are reviewing. And we'll give it a little, we'll give it a little consideration there. Uh, Joe, we might even put them out to Twitter and see what they think. Um, but yeah, looking at uh, the Super Etten, we've got Mialbi, who are top of the table, and Varberg Boys. So those are the two teams maybe you're looking to come up. Uh, it's been an interesting season in, in the Super Etten. If our teams kind of run away with it, Varberg at the start of the season looked like they were going to run away with the title. To be honest, they were way ahead, but they've been they've been sucked back into it by um, by Mialbi, who have not gone away. Uh, also, Jorn Shopping Sudra, who were you know in the Svenska not too long ago, they've put together a decent run and are now in, in third place and maybe you know looking to maybe try and steal snatch a uh, you know one of the two automatic promotion spots. Uh, of course, you know the third place team here gets a promotion game, a uh, playoff game. So, um, you know, they're, they're well positioned for that. E.K. Braga as well, the Dega Force, uh, and the two others, maybe Ogrita, but, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at the top five there, probably the ones who, who would go up. Uh, Robert Boys have uh, some interesting players. We, we've had some discussions about some of their players this season. Uh, Keenan Ayer and Adama uh, Favana, for example. Um, they've got a player I like who's called Purpurin Bakaj, who I saw when I was out in Sweden. Uh, he was playing for Tvakas at that time in the in the like, third division, uh, and I noted his name down at the time. And he's, he's I've seen I've been following his career a little bit since. Um, he's now one of the top assist providers in the Super Etten, and uh, I think he's a decent player from what what I can remember. Um, but yes, it's a, it's an interesting race. And then if you look at the bottom of the table, just just qu just quickly, um, uh, a shout out to our our old friend Sean Constable, who's uh, currently working in a coaching role at Bromma Poikina in Stockholm and they are second bottom at the moment and they could be facing a double relegation, which would be um, a real disaster for the, the, you know, the Academy of Sweden, as they call themselves, you know, a very good Academy team, but they have fallen on hard times this year. Um, they're looking to push their way out of that and maybe secure an automatic uh, relegation playoff game, which could give them a chance to survive. So there's a lot going on at the top and bottom of the league, really. And there's been, a, I think, a pretty exciting uh, Super Rated season, if I'm honest. Do you know, every single year I look at this division and it just reeks to me um, of, you know, weak, weak, weak. Um, it just is. I mean, looking at the, the teams, the top of the league have, have lost seven games out of 27. 52 points at this point in time is a really low figure. And I said this last year about the teams coming up. I was really worried about the, how they're going to cope in the Arsvenskan. Um, um, obviously, Helsingborg a little bit different because they're a bigger club, got bigger resources. But I mean, it just seems there's a big gap for me between the Arsvenskan and and the Superettens, or certainly, or right, maybe the bottom three or four in the Arsvenskan are a similar level to Superett, and I don't know. But um, 
these teams that are going to come up, they're going to have to find a way of adding to their quality, aren't they? Otherwise, they're going to be another case of AFC Eskelskewn at Falkenberg. Um, you know, we've seen Dal Kurd struggle last year. The same old story, won't it? I think you're right there. I mean, um, whoever comes up, if it's, you know, let's say Farberg or, uh, you know, Ike Braga or whoever, um, yeah, I'll be, I think they will be struggling to to stay in the division next season. You know, as we've mentioned before, it's kind of a two-tier league to a certain extent. Um, and the same team seem to get sucked into it. I mean, if you look at the teams who went down, though, you've got Dalkurd who are kind of, you know, nowhere to, well, you know, they're, they're having a decent season in terms of their league position, seventh, but they're not really involved in the title race. You know, you've got um, Dwarma Poikina in the bottom two of the league and you've got uh, Trelleborg who were kind of just drifting along in 10th, you know, and then you've got bigger teams like Geis and Halmstad who came down a few seasons ago, you know, just ninth and 11th. It's really, um, you know, the teams that go down tend to just get dragged back into it and don't seem to kind of, you know, really solidify themselves. You've got big clubs there as well, like Ugarita. Ugarita are one of the most successful teams in Sweden, let's, let's remind ourselves in terms of titles one and that kind of thing. And um, they're a very big club historically. But, you know, they've just been, you know, peddling along in, in the second division for some years now. Geis are a big club as well in Gothenburg. You know, I'd love to see the likes of Geis and Ugarita back in the Osvenskan, to be honest. But, um, they fall on hard times. I think you need you need to keep your squad together. You need an effective squad. You know, Eskilstuna came back after going down, um, but it looks like they've not managed. You know, they're a yo-yo club now, essentially. Um, so, yes, it, it really does seem like there's a, maybe a little bit of a lack of quality or lack of nous. But that's also a financial issue, isn't it, Steve? At the end of the day, attendances aren't massive in the Super Um Maybe you could argue the entertainment levels aren't great at times, and that lends itself to maybe just being not being able to attract the best kind of players yeah absolutely very valid points there and to answer joe's question about the norwegian second tier uh, arlesund um they're pretty much already wrapped up promotion i think they just need one more official point to go up um but they're pretty much there on goal difference they've won 21 out of 26 games Arlesund this year under large behinen only lost once um they've dominated the league and uh, they'll come up and i expect they'll compete really strongly in the Elita Serien. And the second spot's going to be between Sandefjord and Start. At the moment, Sandefjord hold a one-point gap over them. Four games left. Straight shootout there for the second promotion spot. And the third-place team uh, will uh, be in the uh, the relegation playoff match against uh, the Elita Serien club. So, pretty straightforward there. And he also asked a question about what do you know about the player called up from Chile from Arlesons? Um Nicolas Castro is his name. I know very little about him. I, don't, I do not follow the Obos League again, um, but I know he's got a good goal-scoring record um, up there. Uh, I don't know if he played or not, I'll be brutally honest. I don't follow South American football, but obviously it's very encouraging for um, for, for him and uh, Obos League again as a whole that uh, someone uh, gets called up to the Chilean national squad there. So, uh, But yeah, fairly straightforward is the Obos League again compared to uh, Super Etten anyway. Yeah, Nicolas Castro has got 15 goals in, in 20 games, by the way, this season. So, you know, I guess it's quite a surprise to see him called up to national team level. But uh, he's certainly doing quite well um, in, in the second tier. And uh, he's previously of Kongsvigger and Valerenga as well uh, in the past few seasons. So he's got a bit of a track record there. Uh, Steve, we also have a question from Neil Baxter, our good friend Neil Baxter, who wants to know about Viking. And he says, do Viking have the fixtures to push for a top three finish? 
And if so, are there any players that can maybe push them into the top three, maybe with a bit of a fantasy football slant in mind? Uh, thanks for your questioning, as always. Steve, uh, any thoughts on Viking there? Hmm. Well, this is a good question, Neil. Um, I've got one bit of concern about Viking, actually. They have got a massive Norwegian Cup semi-final to look forward to in a couple of weeks' time. And you would imagine their priority is on that competition. Um, they've, um, they're have they in a very solid Elitisarian safe spot. Uh, yeah, they maybe could finish as high as fifth, fourth or fifth, uh, fifth or sixth. But they really have got to target that cup which could lead to all sorts of squad rotation, um, which is a concern, isn't it? I know already, even without the cup, that the manager's been very happy to um, to change the squad around a lot. In terms of fixtures on paper, yeah, I mean, they've got some easier ones. They've got Tromsø, they've got Lillestrøm, uh, but their last two games are against Rosenborg and Bran. And just say they got to that cup final. I think their heads are going to be in the clouds, aren't they, a bit? So um, I wouldn't personally be looking at any Viking players. Just there's a lot of uncertainty all around. Yeah, just a note there for those who might not follow it so closely, Viking are fifth at the moment and they are eight points behind third place odd. So you'd think, that, well, with six games to go, a bit of a stretch potentially. And we're not going to touch on the Norwegian league this week because we've had that brilliant interview. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back to discuss Norway, though, in, you know, in the coming weeks. There's still six games left there whereas in Sweden there's uh, just three. So we will be having more um, in Norway in the coming weeks, so stay tuned, of course. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod, and you can always ask us questions, follow us, give us a like, uh, and don't forget to share. And you know We really appreciate any reviews of the podcast if you follow it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Um, tell somebody about it that you know and, and, and give us a recommendation because we're always looking to, to build. I mean, just also from an expert, the goals point of view, Steve, I just want to, you know, before we move on in terms of Viking, they are actually the third top goal scorers in the league and they have the third best expected goals in the league according to Scout, our partners Scout's data. So, you know, they, top three-wise, they are actually, uh, they are top three side goals and expected goals-wise. But uh, as we say, their points, points count more. So that's what we look at. I think we're going to wrap it up there, aren't we, Steve? We don't have many more questions this week. We, we've been asked a few about the international break, but... Um, We'll touch on that another time as we're running a bit short on time. We had one question from Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz ate me. Uh, used to be ate my son, but he's now uh, eating Ted Cruz. He's eating, he's eating himself. So um, he asks about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But uh, if anyone wants to know about Solskjaer and our opinions, please do tune into the last episode on the pod. We had a good sort of uh, five, ten minute discussion about Solskjaer's methods, uh, what's going wrong at Manchester United and his time at Mulder, you know, tactically. We, we, we did dis- discuss him, so go back through our archives, subscribe and, and listen to that again. So we, we have answered that question. Um, but that's really about it, isn't it, Steve? Yes, Ted asked, um, do you guys think Oli could end up in Trondheim in the near future? Well, uh, you know, Runheim might be relegated. They might be on the lookout for a new manager. So um, maybe there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, OK, yes, that wraps it up, John. Nice. Uh, Pleasure as always. And uh, once again, thanks to Armin Askar for a great interview. And we'll see you uh, all again next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.